0: Hello, you're listening to Sarah McCoy, and this is Chapter 11 of the Book of Hebrews, a new weekly podcast series. I've been a Bible teacher at Owasso First Assembly in Owasso, Oklahoma, for over 40 years, and I love the way God's Word shows itself practical to today, time after time. Chapter 11's theme is the essence of faith. This teaching was recorded from the Discovery class at Owasso First Assembly, live on Sunday morning, November 23, 2020. So, just like we have a hall of fame for country music and for sports and various other things, we have a hall of fame in scripture for people of faith. So, as we get almost all the way through the book of Hebrews, we come now to the 11th chapter, a rather lengthy chapter that is like walking through a museum, a living museum. And it talks to us not only about what faith is but some of the great examples of people of faith in the scripture. So we start out in verse one. Now, faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for. By faith, we understand that the universe was formed at God's command so that what is seen was not made out of what was visible. Now we begin a journey through, in chronological order, the Old Testament, looking at 12 choice people of faith. So person number one, book of Genesis, by faith, Abel offered God a better sacrifice than Cain did. By faith, he was commended as a righteous man when God spoke well of his offerings. And by faith, he still speaks, even though he is dead. So if you're a little rusty on your Old Testament, Cain and Abel were the first two recorded sons of Adam and Eve. And Cain was born first. He enjoyed farming, and his thing was agriculture. And Abel was more into the pasturing, and he had Uh, sheep. And so you might recall that they both understood that they needed to bring an offering to God. They didn't have churches and they didn't have the Bible. They only had what their parents had told them about how they had fallen when they disobeyed and that God had covered their sins by giving them the skins of animals to wear. And maybe you know the story that Cain brought from the field gifts to god but they weren't the best he just brought some of the things from the field he did not sacrifice to god the best that he had but abel brought the choicest best animals from his flock and slew them and offered them to the lord and you recall that god accepted Abel's sacrifice, but not Cain's. So in Genesis 4, we read, but Abel also brought an offering, fat portions from some of the firstborn of his flock. In other words, God got the top cut. The Lord looked with favor on Abel and his offering, but on Cain and his offering, he did not look with favor. By the way, this painting that you're seeing here was done in the 1600s by an Italian whose name was Charles Mellon, and it's called the sacrifice of Abel. So person of faith number one was Abel. Person of faith number two, we continue on, verse five, by faith Enoch was taken from this life so that he did not experience death. What? Oh, there were a couple of people in the Old Testament that didn't actually die a physical death. Remember? Remember Elijah going up in the fiery chariot. Did not experience death. He could not be found because God had taken him away. For before he was taken, he was commended as one who pleased God. And so this is a reference to a story in Genesis 5, a really short story, starting with verse 22 after he became the father of Methuselah. You remember, Methuselah was the man who was recorded as having the longest life of anyone in Scripture. Nine hundred and sixty-nine years. Enoch walked faithfully with God three hundred years and had other sons and daughters. Altogether, Enoch lived a total of three hundred sixty-five years. Enoch walked faithfully faithfully with God. Then he was no more, because God took him away. So, person of faith number two is this man who walked so closely with God that for God's own purposes. He was translated instead of experiencing death. Now we get to a definition for faith, chapter six, over six. And without faith, it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. So this is a deal breaker. If you want to be eternally with the Lord when you die, you have to have faith. His grace, of course, is supplied by the blood of Christ, and the blood of Christ is offered to the whole world. Well, then why isn't the whole world saved? Because the other critical component is faith, and that's why this chapter is so critical. So then we get to person number three, by faith Noah. When warned about things not yet seen, in holy fear, built an ark to save his family. By his faith, he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness that comes by faith. Well, this is a reference to a story in Genesis chapter six. God said to Noah, I'm gonna put an end to all people for the earth is filled with violence because of them. I am surely going to destroy both of them and the earth. So make yourself an ark of cypress wood. Make rooms in it and coat it with pitch inside and out. You're going to bring into the ark two of all living creatures, male and female, to keep them alive with you. Two of every kind of bird, of every kind of animal, and of every kind of creature that moves along the ground will come to you to be kept alive. You are to take every kind of food that is to be eaten and store it away as food for you and for them. Well, that ark took a hundred years to build according to scripture. That's a long time, 365 times 100 days. All of those days. And so if you can imagine, you get up in the morning and there's no flood and you go to bed at night and you've done just a little more work. And all of that time, Noah looked ahead and he believed that God really was going to send this judgment on the world and he worked a little harder. And sure enough, his faith became the salvation Through the grace of God for all of those animals and for him and his three sons and his wife and his three daughters in law. So now we move along. By faith, Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later receive as his inheritance, you know, the land of Canaan, Israel, obeyed and went, even though he didn't know where he was going. By faith, he made his home in the promised land like a stranger in a foreign country. He lived in tents, as did Isaac and Jacob, who were heirs with him of the same promise, for he was looking forward to the city with foundations, whose architect and builder is gone. Maybe you recall that Abraham was from a very rich family. They were idol worshipers. He was married to his half-sister. They were in their 70s. They had never had any children. And he was commanded by God to leave all of that. He had this huge entourage of servants and he had all kinds of animals but they were kind of like modern day Bedouins they lived in tents they didn't have a permanent structure of a house and so they went and explored this land of Canaan this beautiful painting was done in 1850 it's called Abraham's journey from Ur to Canaan and the artist was Joseph Molnar it was oil on canvas But we read about this in Genesis 12, the Lord said to Abram, go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. That would take a lot of faith because you have been praying to all these idols. And now one who says he is the only one is calling on you to change your entire life and go somewhere you've never been. So Abram went as the Lord had told him and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old. When he set out from Haran, so then we go on, and we get to Hebrews eleven eleven, and now we're going to bring in a woman, his wife, and by faith even Sarah, who was past childbearing age, was enabled to bear children because she considered him faithful who had made the promise. And boy, that's an understatement. Past childbearing age—we're not talking about a forty-five or fifty-year-old woman. She was ninety the scripture says, when she gave birth to Isaac. Uh, Because she considered him faithful who had made the promise. In other words, it wasn't just that the Lord forced this on her. She had to actually come to the place in her heart where she thinks, I believe he can. I believe he will. You remember she laughed when she was told that she would have this son. And so from this one man, and he is good as dead came descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as countless as the sand on the seashore. Millions and millions and millions of Jewish people over the thousands of years, and all of them, except for those that were brought in by conversion, were descendants of Abraham and Sarah through Isaac, this promise. Wow, what faith. This beautiful painting, Oil on Wood, hangs in the Louvre in Paris, and it was done in 1462 by a Flemish painter, uh, Jean Provost. But this is the scene where the angel is telling Abraham that the Lord is going to give them a child. And uh, he's been saying this for nearly 25 years, and Sarah just hears. From behind the doorway, and she laughed. And of course, sure enough, their son, Isaac, that name means laughter. Genesis 21 says Now the Lord was gracious to Sarah, as he had said, and the Lord did for Sarah what he had promised. Sarah became pregnant and bore a son to Abraham in his old age at the very time God had promised him. All these people were still living by faith when they died. They didn't receive the things promised. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance. And they admitted that they were aliens and strangers on earth. So the Lord is saying that I'm going to make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky. And I'm going to do it through Isaac. And so he's an old man and he has this one son, Isaac. Well, he also had Ishmael and then later six other sons. But those weren't the promised ones. And Sarah's dead, and he goes to his grave, never having seen but a handful of descendants. And they admitted that they were aliens and strangers on earth. People who say such things show that they're looking for a country not of their own. If they'd been thinking of the country they'd left, they would have had opportunity to return. Instead, they were longing for a better country, a heavenly one. Therefore, God's not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. And while we're still on this subject of Abraham, by faith, Abraham, when God tested him, offered Isaac as a sacrifice. He who had received the promises was about to sacrifice his one and only son. Even though God had said to him, it's through Isaac that your offspring will be reckoned. Abraham reasoned that God could raise the dead. And figuratively speaking, he did receive Isaac back from the dead. So we see this beautiful masterpiece from Michelangelo Caravaggio, not the Michelangelo that painted the Sistine Chapel, done in 1603 oil on canvas. This uh, recalls the scene where Isaac gets to be a boy of about 12, and the Lord said, Sacrifice him to me. So this is a true test of faith. Do you believe that I can do what I said? And will you prove it by obeying? And so they go on a three-day journey, you know, with their servants, and they go up Mount Moriah alone. And they're going to the sacrifice. And of course, Isaac's been to lots of sacrifices before. But he says, I see you have the fire and the wood, but where's the sacrifice? And Abraham said, the Lord will provide for himself a sacrifice. Then he ties the boy up He's an old man. I imagine that that young boy could have gotten away if he wanted to. This was faith. And the boy's on the altar, and he literally raises his hand with a knife to slay his son. How could any of us pass that test? And as the knife is ready to come down, an angel stops him. No, 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 wait. You see the knife in his hand here? And do you see? Over caught in the thicket is a ram. And the Lord said, now I know. Now I know that you really have a heart of faith toward me. So we'll move on then to verse 20, by faith, Isaac. That was the boy that was on the altar watching his dad raise the knife. Now we've moved on to Isaac as an adult. Blessed Jacob and Esau in regard to their future. Do you remember that Isaac and his wife struggled with infertility too. They were married for 20 years. And Isaac finally goes to God for Rachel and says, Lord, because he knows what Abraham had told him before about the promise. And sure enough, when she was around 40 or so, she did get pregnant with fraternal twin boys. And when they were born, the Lord explained that the one that was born second, the younger, by a few minutes, the one they called Jacob, would actually be the one through whom this promise comes. And what promise are we talking about? A a nation through whom God gives his word and also the Messiah that would be the sacrifice for sin. And so when they grow up and it's time For Isaac to bless those adult boys, you remember that uh, Jacob finagles it so that he receives the blessing. But Isaac pronounced a great blessing on Jacob, believing that it would come to pass after he was gone. And this is what he pronounced over Jacob. And you tell me if you think this has not come true for the Jewish people. May God give you of heaven's due and of the earth's richness and abundance of grain and new wine. May nations serve you, and peoples bow down to you. Be Lord over your brothers, and may the sons of your mother bow down to you. May those who curse you be cursed, and those who bless you be blessed. His father Isaac answered him, your dwelling will be away from the earth's richness away from the dew of the heaven above, this is him speaking now to the other boy who didn't receive the promise, Esau, you will live by the sword and you will serve your brother. But when you grow restless, you will throw his yoke from off your neck. Those are the two prophecies that were spoken of here. Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau in regard to their future. Okay, so now we move on, chronological order, we keep going. By faith, Jacob. So now it's this boy, Jacob. When he was dying, we've gone forward, and now the fraternal twin, the younger one, has grown up, and he's had 12 sons and a daughter. When he was dying, blessed each of Joseph's sons. Remember, Joseph was the favored boy that went and became number two in all of Egypt under Pharaoh, and saved the whole family during a famine, and he had two sons. But Jacob blessed each of Joseph's sons and worshipped as he leaned on the top of his staff. So this beautiful painting was done by Rembrandt in 1656, oil on canvas, and it is currently in Germany. But we have come now to the end of the book of Genesis and it's about time for Jacob to die, and boy, he's had a hard life. He ended up having 12 boys through two sisters and their two handmaids, and those boys fought, and there was an awful lot of drama over all those years, but sometime later, Joseph was told your father's ill, so he took his two sons, Manasseh and Ephraim, along with him. And when Jacob was told, your son Joseph has come to you, Israel rallied his strength and sat up on the bed. Okay, so he's on his deathbed. And here comes Joseph. And you know Joseph is probably decked out in all the finest of Egypt, and he's probably got his eyes painted the way we imagined that Egyptians looked back then. And he comes in, this marvelous uh, under king to Pharaoh, and he's got his two sons with him. And so, Jacob, who's now called Israel, kind of pulls himself together and manages to sit up a little bit in the bed. And Joseph took both of them, Ephraim on his right hand toward Israel's left hand, and Manasseh on his left toward Israel's right hand, and brought them close to him. Okay, so of course he wants the biggest blessing to go to the oldest boy, and so he's directing things. So he's going to put Jacob's right hand on the older boy. But Israel, now what are we talking about here? What was the point of this lesson? Oh, faith, right? And so by faith, Jacob, who is so old and about to die, he's still aware and by faith, he reached out his right hand and put it on Ephraim's head. The younger boy, though he was younger and crossing his arms, he put his left hand on Manasseh's head, even though Manasseh was the firstborn. And then he blessed Joseph and said, May the God before whom my fathers Abraham and Isaac walked faithfully, the God who's been my shepherd all my life to this day, the angel who's delivered me from all harm, may he bless these boys. May they be called by my name and the names of my fathers Abraham and Isaac, and may they increase greatly on the earth. And sure enough, the younger was supreme over the older. But that was by faith. So now we come along, verse 22, and we're at person number eight. See what I mean? This really is the hall of faith. So we're proceeding through this museum, and we're looking at all these exhibits, and we're remembering what was recorded in scripture. Verse 22, by faith, Joseph, when his end was near, okay, so Jacob is long dead, and now it's Joseph spoke about the exodus of the Israelites from Egypt and gave instructions about his bones. He knows that in later years, the descendants of the Israelites, they're not going to still live in Egypt because God has called them to the land of Canaan. And so he says before he dies, I want you all to make sure that someday, generations from now, when you go back to the land of Canaan, you take my bones with you. And they did. And so we have a painting. This is supposed to be the embalming of Joseph. You know how the Egyptians embalmed their pharaohs. Well, he was so high up that he was also eligible to be embalmed. This is actually an engraving that was done. And we read in the last chapter of the book of Genesis, Joseph said to his brother Israelites, I'm about to die but God will surely come to your aid and take you up out of this land to the land he promised on oath to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And Joseph made the Israelites swear an oath and said, God will surely come to your aid, and then you must carry my bones up from this place. You see how faith causes you to look forward, and you're sure. You know that God's going to do what God's going to do. Okay, so we keep going, and now we're to person number nine out of the big 12 here in this hall of faith. Verse 23 we've advanced a few hundred years and we're still in Egypt. By faith, Moses' parents, that was Amram and Jochebed of the tribe of Levi, you know, hid him for three months after he was born because they saw he was no ordinary child and they were not afraid of the king's edict. At that time, they were trying to cut down on the Israelite population because it was threatening to Pharaoh, who didn't remember anything about the good relationship they had had all those generations before. And he had said from now on, you midwives, if you deliver a baby and it's a boy, you go drown it in the Nile right then. But Jochebed, when her baby was born, managed to hide him for three months. And then, you know, she put him in a little basket lined with pitch and let him go on the water at about the time that Pharaoh's daughter would bring her entourage down there to bathe. And when he was discovered, she had compassion on him and she raised him as her own son. And so that is her getting ready to make that decision. You see that she's got him in his basket there. So we continue on by faith. Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Boy, that would have been a cushy, nice life, wouldn't it? He chose to be mistreated along with the people of God rather than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a short time. He regarded disgrace for the sake of Christ as of greater value than the treasures of Egypt because he was looking ahead to his reward. By faith, remember that's what we're supposed to be talking about here, he left Egypt Not fearing the king's anger, he persevered because he saw him who is invisible. That's faith, isn't it? Seeing something invisible. By faith, he kept the Passover and the sprinkling of blood. You know, the 10th of the 10 plagues on the house of Egypt when they were trying to get the Israelites to be released from slavery was that all the firstborn of everyone, even the cattle would be killed. And the Jews were told, if you will put the blood of the sacrificial lamb over your doorposts at midnight, when the angel comes to kill all those firstborn, you'll be saved. So Moses did that so that the destroyer of the firstborn would not touch the firstborn of Israel. I love that. By faith, he chose to be mistreated along with the people of God. This painting was done in 2005 by a woman named Deb Hefner. Now, the length of time the Israelite people lived in Egypt was 430 years. That's what it says in Exodus 12. At the end of the 430 years to the very day, all the Lord's divisions left Egypt. That's remarkable faith. I mean, the United States hasn't even been in existence 430 years. Think how long ago for us 430 years really was. And to look ahead and to know. That God's gonna do what he said he would do, like he promised to Abraham, is remarkable, but it's also required. So, then, verse 29 by faith, the people. Now we're gonna talk about a whole group of faith filled people. The people passed through the sea as on dry land. But when the Egyptians tried to do so, they were drowned. You know, Moses held out the shepherd's staff as they were trying to flee from the Egyptians, and the Egyptians had them kind of cornered, and there was the Red Sea, and the waters parted, and they went across. Exodus 14 says, but the Israelites went through the sea on dry ground with a wall of water on their right and a wall on their left. So group number 11 is the people. And then after they had spent 40 years in the wilderness and Moses was dead, and now their leader is Joshua, and they're supposed to be conquering the peoples of Canaan by faith. The walls of Jericho fell after the people had marched around them for seven days. So, we're still talking about the people. Here is this fortress of a city with these walls that are so wide that people live in houses on top of the walls, and yet. They were sure that God would do what he said, and they marched around every day, one time for six days, and on the seventh day, they went around seven times, and they blew their trumpets, and the walls crumbled and fell, and the people had a victory. Joshua 6, when the trumpets sounded, the army shouted, and at the sound of the trumpet, when the men gave a loud shout, the wall collapsed, so everyone charged straight in, and they took the city now we're ready for the 12th of the 12 and who is it going to be but not only is it a woman but it was a woman who made her living as a prostitute by faith the prostitute rahab she lived in that city of jericho because she welcomed the spies was not killed with those who were disobedient she had the most wonderful profession of faith In the book of Joshua, where she said to the spies that she hid in the hotel, she put them on the flat roof of her hotel and put uh, flax over them so that the people from the king's palace who were looking for those spies wouldn't find them. And she diverted those that were looking for those spies away. But she said to them, We know that your God is the God. And I'm asking you to remember me and my family when you come and attack us. And so we read in Joshua 6, so the young men who had done the spying went in and brought out Rahab, her father and mother, her brothers and sisters, and all who belonged to her. Remember what they had told her? You hang a red cord out your window. And when we attack the city, if we see that red cord, everyone in your house will be safe. They brought out her entire family and put them in a place outside the camp of Israel. And so in these two pictures on the left, you see her hiding the spies. They're running upstairs to lay on the flat roof under the flax to be safe from the king's men looking for them. And then here is when the actual attack took place. And this is her house. And here's the cord. And no one in her house was was hurt. Then they burned the whole city and everything in it, and they put silver and gold and articles of bronze and iron into the treasury of the Lord's house, but Joshua spared Rahab the prostitute with her family and all who belonged to her because she hid the men Joshua had sent as spies to Jericho, and she lives among the Israelites to this day. And by the way, you probably know that Rahab ended up in the direct line that led to Christ. She is in Jesus' genealogy, and it was because of her faith. Then we get a bonus of seven more people who are just mentioned in passing. So let's have a look at them real quick. And what more shall I say? I don't have time to tell about Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, David, Samuel, and the prophets, who through faith conquered kingdoms, administered justice, and gained what was promised, who shut the mouths of lions, quenched the fury of the flames and escaped the edge of the sword whose weakness was turned to strength and who became powerful in battle and routed foreign armies and the thing about those seven more warriors and prophets and judges is that they did stuff are you catching what the main point of this chapter is about faith faith is not just saying that you believe something it actually is doing something Like when Abraham offered his son on the altar, every single time, if it's really faith, it's going to be evidenced by works. Women received back their dead, raised to life again. Others were tortured and refused to be released so that they might gain a better resurrection. Some faced jeers and flogging, while still others were chained and put in prison. They were stoned, they were sawed in two, they were put to death by the sword. They went about in sheepskins and goatskins, destitute, persecuted, mistreated. The world wasn't worthy of them. They wandered in deserts and mountains and in caves and in holes in the ground. These were all commended for their faith yet none of them received what had been promised. God had planned something better for us so that only together with us would they be made perfect. In other words, sometimes you have to wait and wait and wait and wait, and your faith is tested, and you're not sure when it's going to happen. But the conclusion of this chapter is that Every single one of these examples, the 12 main ones and the seven at the very end mentioned in passing, showed that they had faith by what they did. And I can then conclude that faith works. It's a play on words, you know. But I hope you'll always remember that although we're not saved by works, we are saved by by grace and by a faith that is evidenced by weeks.